So we're holding the Shira of Dvera toward the end where she talks about sister's mother. Our sister's mother is waiting for sister to come to return from the battle. Let's first see the Pasuk inside. It's Perakei Pasuk Chavches. And then we'll see there's the famous Rasha that Chazal made from this Pasuk. Where do they see it in the words? And what's the meaning of what sister's mother was worried about? So we're holding a Perakei Pasuk Chavches. And the Pasuk says like this. Through the window. Nishkafa. Vatiyabev em sister. Sisra's mother was looking through the window. But Yabev literally means she was crying or she was sobbing. Through the plane of the, so to speak, the Eshnav also went for a window. And what was uh, on her mind? What was she thinking? Why is his chariot late in coming back? So why Echer also is much more the same language of being late? Hame is a footstep mark of voice of his chariots. So obviously we have to explain what the two different expressions which are being used over here. Hame are the footsteps, so to speak, which would be of the horses doing the chariots. So we have to explain what the double uh, question was. That's the first point. Also, the word Tiyabev is an unusual word. We already saw that the Gemara learns from the word Tiyabev that this is the meaning of when it talks about the Trua on Rosh Hashanah, it's called Iyababa, right? Which learns the same word, it's the sound of wailing, a sound of crying. And uh, the Gemara has a question just what that sound is. Is it like a drawn out cry, which is what we would call a Shvarim today? Or is it like a short, like staccato kind of cry, like short, sharp cries, so to speak, which we call the true? And obviously the question is, why do you learn from the mother of Sisra? Why is this the place where the Torah tells us um, the idea of crying, as an example for that is the, the mother of Sisra, where we find many other times in the Torah it talks about people crying. This isn't the only instance of it. Thank you. But this is the only time it uses the word Yababa as an expression of crying. So the question we have to understand is, why is it like that? And there's so more than that, there's a famous, what's brought down in the Eshkol and other Rishonim, and as far as I'm aware, it's not a Chazal, but it's brought down a number of Rishonim, the idea that the reason we have a hundred Kodos on Rosh Hashanah, the Minah, I guess, to blow a hundred blasts on Rosh Hashanah, is connected what's brought down, that Sisra's mother, so to speak, cried a hundred times, or answered a hundred whales, if you want, and what's the one to do with the other one? Why does that correspond, why does it contrast out to Kirshnefer? So we'll see. Now, the next point is the response of her ladies-in-waiting. And it says, The wise ones among her, sorry, among those ladies who were a noble, her noble woman, they answered her, and she, so to speak, returned their words to her. In other words, she worked to accept what they were saying to her. And what were they saying to her? Is, it must be that the reason they're late is because they must have found and are now apportioning the spoils. In other words, the battle's already over. They didn't think it would take that long. And if they're not back yet, the reason for that must be because they, they're dishing out the spoils which they must have found. And what are the spoils? 
Racham, Racham was saying, it's a, Racham is a kidney for a, a, a woman, a lady. So they they're despoiling the Jewish woman, one or two for Yiddishka for each person. And Shlal Tzvoim, what were the what they found this the booty of the Tzvoim of the kind of the garments was for Sisra. That was obviously considered something of value, so that the general would take it for himself. And then it says Shlal Tzvoim Ritma. Again, a double lashon. We have to explain that, uh, the Shlal, the booty of the Tzvoim of the kind of the garments which were, were woven. Tzavir Ritma Saim the Tzavir Shalom. And uh, they used these. The it was left after. The sister took, so to speak, first, but he wanted from the from the garments. So the rest was given the tzavir shalal, was given for the, the, so to speak, for each member of the soldiers who went to battle. That's literally the next tzavir shalal, each person took a thing to wrap around their neck. Okay, so in other words, the answer that they responded to the mother of sister is the reason they're late is because they're busy taking spoils, and that's why they haven't come back yet. Now, what's the what's the significance of this paragraph? Of this, what, what, why does the Torah need to tell us this? I want to mention that. What does it add to this year? Okay, so let's start from the beginning. The we'll start with the, the idea of what's being brought by the idea of the mother of sister, and that is that Be'atzem, if she was looking at the window of Atiyabe, we said it uses the word Yibava. Yibava is the sound of crying. And we said this is definitely the sound used for Tukir Shafer, even though there are many other times that the word of crying appears in Tanakh. It's not hard, uh, there are many examples. But definitely here we find the word Yabava. And the reason for that is like this. Other times, when it talks about somebody crying, so normally a person expresses himself when they cry. So, it's, it's, so to speak, whatever they're crying about is expressed in words. Whatever it is that they what they that they said about or that's causing them distress is part of the part of what they express through tears, right? Now, the mother of Sisra was not like that, because on the one hand, it was on the one hand it was uh, she was worried she felt that there was something wrong why her son had not come back, but to admit that would be clear to admit that something had happened to Sisra, which she didn't want to do. And if that's the case, the cry was a cry without words. What do we call Yibava? Yibava is a cry without words. And the reason is, is because the, the, it was, so to speak, it would have been Kilo doubting the fact that Sisra had been successful in the fact that she would say, I'm worried that something happened to him. But that was her concern. And therefore, she couldn't express what she was worried about. So we have a Yibava, which is a cry without an expression of what the cry is about. Now that's Ba'atsim what Khazal saw as a reference to Tikir Shafer. Because as we know, if a shaif is meant to be a sound, it's a sound which isn't expressed through words. It's just the sound by itself. But as a sound that's meant to express what we're feeling, even if we're not putting it into language or not even into tunes. The cry of a shaifer isn't a cry which is, so to speak, ex- ex- explains itself what the nature of the cry is. It's more that it's a for the person who's who's blowing the shofar, so it's what they're feeling, which is what expressed in the shofar. And that's perhaps what the older Rishonim say about the shofar, that the koyach of the shofar isn't just the fact that it's uh, what's what we're blowing. The koyach of the shofar is the fact of what the person who's blowing it is perhaps intending with the cry. That's not evident 
from what we can hear in the Kadash Haifa, but that's what's being expressed by the Shaifa. The, the one who says most clearly is the Fir Sharan on the Gemara Shoshana. And it says that the Shaifa, the call of the Shaifa, is something which is Ma'amir Vasa Satan. It's something which confuses the Satan. And the obvious question is, what's the, why does the Satan get confused from the call of the Shaifa? And the Ran explains it's not the sound. The sound isn't something which is going to confuse anything. It's definitely not a matter like the Satan. Right? It's rather what the Shaifa represents. And therefore, if Klai Yisrael, it's their feelings of chuva or regret, or they're expressing their willingness to try and be better, which is what's being, so to speak, sounded in the call of the Shaifa. So if that's the case, that's what the Satan hears, that's what confounds him, because that's exactly what he doesn't want. The fact that Klai Yisrael expressing uh, chuva or the, re- the reawakening, the desire to come close to Hashem, that's what uh, destroys the argument of the Satan. So that's the same idea as the Kol Shaifa. It's the Yibaba. It's a, it's a sound which needs to be interpreted. It's not evident in the in the Kol itself what's being said. And that's also what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that Asher Oyam Yadi Truah, fortunately the people who know the Truah, and then that the Midrash asks, It's not such a big deal. Pick it up and blow it. It's not a hard instrument to, to produce a sound from. And uh, Chazal answer, it's, it's not blowing the shofar, it's the message which the shofar is conveying. And therefore the idea of the shofar is when it's coming with the feeling which Kaisra are trying to express through the shofar, as opposed to just the sound of the shofar. That combination is what we call Yabatha. It's a, a cry which is not being articulated what we're crying about, but the feeling behind it is there. And that's what we see by Aim's sister. She was crying because she was worried. She wasn't going to say that. But uh, so the, the cry is articulating a feeling which isn't being expressed, and that's that's what we want from the shofar as well. Well, it's exactly exactly the same because by her she couldn't express it, and by us, or she, by us, yes, she knew what she wanted to say, but she couldn't express it because she was limited. But we don't but know what to say. We do know what to say. With the idea of the shofar is you want to come back to Hashem. That so we, why can't we say words? We do. That's nitfila. But the call of the shofar is something which is uh, coming from a place which is more than words expressed. And this is uh, something which Chazal uh, said in the Midrash and Shirashirim. The Midrash and Shirashirim says, Hashmini Eskoilech, let me hear your voice. And the Midrash is the Daich, why doesn't Hashem say to us, let me hear what you have to say, let me hear your words, why your voice? What's the concept of the voice as opposed to your words? Right? If, I, if you want to, to someone to talk to you, so you ask to hear what he has to say, not necessarily his voice. And on that, the Midrash says, the Klai Yisrael, there's a certain stage where Klai Yisrael, let's say, don't have the words to express something, but it's more like the, the feeling that they're trying to express, even if they don't have the words to, to, to verbalize it. And that's the idea of the Shofar also, that there's a certain amount we can say, and a certain amount which we express without the words necessarily to... Trav Moshe Zechrani used to say that very often... Uh, when a person cries, Adarab, they get choked up and they can't talk. And what's the reason for that? It says because it's an expression of a call as opposed to an expression of Dibur. Sometimes when a person has what they want to say, so they say it. But sometimes when a person has a feeling which they don't have the words to express, it's just the feeling without the words, so it becomes a Yibaba, exactly this kind of a cry. And that's what the Shev is meant to represent. That there's a feeling we want to express without necessarily the vocabulary to express it. That's the idea of the Shev too. Anyway. We don't have to name sister because like we saw, that was unique to her cry. Normally when someone's crying to Nakh, it's very clear what they wanted and they said it as well. When Hannah was crying because she wants a child, she said so. Raks for sale noise. 
Her lips were moving. She was saying what she wanted. It wasn't a cry of silence, a cry of just a sound. Right. My shayin can never hear it. was sending by layer. When it says that she used to cry, then she knew what she wanted, and she cried, and she was she didn't have to hide it. Right. Dafka here we find this idea of a cry which isn't articulated. Okay. So, so this is before Sisra, before she knew Sisra was dead. Right. She still she didn't know where he was, and she was she wondering was why he's late. Wondering. So she was worried about him. She was worried about him, but she didn't even know what happened to him. Now, the next point. It says, So her, her nobility, the wise ones, answered to her. They tried to find a reason which would be acceptable to explain to her why sister was late. And then she's busy taking spoils. She also returned her words to herself, which literally means she, she wasn't convinced. She was trying to convince herself. Right? And therefore, the, the idea is that sometimes a person deep down knows it's not, it's not that good. Right? But they try to find something to rely on that maybe can explain it, that gives them hope. And that's what it means here as well. She also took her, their words to herself that she tried to convince herself that that's actually what's happening. But why wasn't she convinced? So we see a lot of times in the Nakh, and this is explains the double ocean before, we see a lot of times in the Nakh. Um, that, of course, there was no uh, telecommunications in those days. There was no way of knowing what happened in a different place. So what they used to do is they used to send riders or runners to convey information. And if that's the case, uh, just many times. For example, when after the war against Afshalom, right, when Afshalom gets killed and David's won the battle, so now the question is who's going to be the runner to race back ahead of everybody to David Amalek and tell him what happened in the war. Or in the, when you had the scene Shmuel, the war, uh, when the Kleishal fought the Plishtim and tragically lost, and the Kleishal was taken captive, so the rats, the runner came back to tell the people of Shiloh that they'd lost the war. In other words, the way they transferred information then was they used to have runners. And the runner would, would go ahead, so to speak, to relay information back to wherever the capital, the city was, what had happened in the battlefield. And that's why Sister's mother wasn't convinced. Because if it was true that they'd won the war, then there should have been a runner who had come to tell them that. Shinsu can take his time, despoiling whoever he wants. Where's the runner? And that's how the Mephoshim explained the double lotion. Firstly, Madur Boishish Rikhbalova, where's his chariot? And why hasn't he come back? And even if he hasn't come back, but Madur Echru Pame Markovoisov, why is late? The footsteps of the, the, the rider. And the rider doesn't mean Sister himself, it means the person he would have sent to say what happened. So where's the, where's the messenger? Where's the, so to speak, person who's coming to tell us what happened? And had they won, they would have sent somebody, which is why she wasn't convinced that this uh, what, what, uh, this excuse actually worked. Right? That doesn't make sense. It, why, why, why wouldn't they tell everyone if they had been victorious? So they, they had runners for that purpose, to go back and relay information from the battlefield. And therefore she was choshesh that something had gone very wrong, and that's why there was no runner, because either they didn't want to say what happened, or there was no one to say, no one who was able to go back and say what happened, which was actually the case. It's all before every, everybody got killed. Okay. Now, so that's, a, so that's, that's why the double lotion, like we said, not just why is the sister back, but why isn't he sent uh, somebody to tell us what happened? And therefore, what her chachmus or her what they wanted to tell her, she tried to convince us of that's the case, but she wasn't convinced. Now. Do we know anything about any sister before this? No, nothing. Nothing. This is the only time that she's brought up. The, that is Aim Sisra. We don't know anything about who she was or any of her, anything about it. Just the, the, the only time the Navi like, 
discusses her. This is a window into her life. Right, but uh, literally. Uh, and the purpose of this hadol is to understand the Yavavos? No, we're going to get to the next pasuk. Now, there's another point over here, and that is we, uh, a principle which we see very often, again throughout Tanakh. We see this already in the, we see this already in the, uh, in and that is what does what people used to use. Was they used to have people could see in the stars or some kind of predict the future, however they could, and they would see things. Not necessarily accurately, not necessarily because they understood the implication of what they were seeing, but there were certain things they could see and they could try and interpret. Like we saw in Mitzrayim, that they saw there was blood in the midbar, and they didn't know what the blood referred to, or they saw there was water in the midbar, they didn't know what the water referred to, and uh, the way they interpreted it was wrong, and we saw uh, eventually through the story of Klaish on the midbar actually what the illusion was meant to mean. Which we see always that the problem with stargazers is that they can see, but they don't know what they see, they don't know how to interpret it. And now we're going to see in the next passage the same idea over here. The Chachmah they saw something, but they misinterpreted it. What did they see? They saw Racham Rachmusayim the Rosh Gaver. They saw, again, Racham Rachmusayim is a Lashon for a lady. So it's two ladies to the Rosh Gaver, to which to Sisra's head, and Shlal Tzvayim of Sisra. This colored clothing, so to speak, this valuable colored clothing which Sisra took. So they interpreted it that Tisra was busy capturing captives, taking the ladies' captivity, and he was taking all the, so to speak, the clothing as, a, as the loot from the battle. They saw, but they saw wrong. Right? But at them, what was, refer, was referring to was there were two ladies who brought Tisra down. The one was the Vaira, another was Yah. And therefore, what, not that Tisra had captured the ladies, it's the other way around, they had captured him. And even though they were right that Tisra was involved in the Maisavari, as you saw previously, but Lamaith, that was his undoing. So it wasn't that he was taken captive. He was taken captive. He was, that, that's what overcame him. And the Shlal Tzvayim of Sisra was also right. He was covered by the Shlal, by the Tzvayim, by the Kaila blanket. But again, it wasn't because he had been victorious. So, Yael covered him with the Smicha before she killed him. Everybody wouldn't see what she was doing. Right? And therefore, so what they saw was correct. They saw this idea of the two ladies involved, and they saw that he was covered with the spoils, so to speak, the blankets. But it wasn't because he was victorious. As they interpreted wrong what they had seen. Right. And that's a, that's a continuation. That what they said is, What they thought that he was doing was the, uh, dividing the spoils, either the human spoils, which was the ladies, or the clothing, the shlalts, but that, that was the other way around. The, 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 what they saw was right, the interpretation was wrong. Which, like we said, is always the, the the problem with people who are looking to see things um, through the stars or through whatever other means they had, is that what they could see, they couldn't explain. And obviously they would try and therefore interpret it in a favorable light to what they wanted to say, but it wasn't the case. Okay, so that's the story of Sister's mother and what she was told. And again, why does the Novi bring us in? Why does the Novi bring us in? Why is this in? Even though we can understand what she was feeling, and what they told her, why she didn't believe it, and like all the points we went through. But why is this an important, uh, an important point for the, to be mentioned in the Shira? Why is this an important point to be mentioned in the Shira? So, for that we'll see, my mission is at the beginning of the next Pasuk. Can you have to call it Hashem? Just like Sisra got destroyed, Kain Yev Dukale Ve'achashem. 
In the same manner, all your enemies Hashem should be destroyed. Right? In other words, the Dvarah as Nevi was speaking, and she knew that Sisha wouldn't be the last. Right? Just like Sisha got destroyed, same thing, all future enemies of Hashem should be destroyed as well. The Chiddush is like this. That the Chachamos, <coughs> the Chachamos, and anybody on the outside who had seen the setup of the battle would never have believed that Sisra would have fallen. He had a vastly superior army and a much, much larger army. And therefore, the people who weren't on the battlefield, right, they thought it was clear to them that Sisra had won. It was clear. Why is he taking time? It must be the portioning spoil. In other words, uh, the, the fact that uh, Klaishal would have beaten the enemies who su- surpassed them and uh, were so much so more trained in battle or had much more advanced chariots, whatever it would be, it didn't even enter their minds. The gather of the nays was something which was totally unexpected. And therefore, for all the Chachomos, for all the people who were, who were not at the battlefield and were trying to predict what happened, it was clear to them that Sisra would have won. But the other who didn't think like that was Sisra's mother. We'll get back to that in a moment. But everybody else was clear to them that Sisra would have won. They interpreted the signs that way, and they were, the, the, they were convinced. And on that, the virus says, that future enemies of Klai Israel also will fall the same way. In other words, even if it's, uh, they convince that they in a more stronger position, they're, they're more powerful, they're more numerous, whatever the case might be, Right? And from anybody who wouldn't be a witness to what actually happened, they would never imagine, they wouldn't think it would be possible that Klai uh, Yisrael would defeat enemies against all the odds. And if you look at various times of Klai Yisrael's victories, the ones we celebrate, it was always like that. It was always like that. Klai Yisrael were always not expected to win, let's say. It was always against uh, what would have been, what would, people would have thought would happen. People who weren't there, didn't actually witness the miracle, wouldn't believe what happened. That's always the way that Akash destroys his enemies, and that's the reason for that is Bashat. It's like Hashem told Dvar at the beginning, and Hashem later on is going to tell Gidon later on, and that is that way it makes it clear the nice is from Hashem. All right, had it been something which people say, you know, the pundits would have predicted, or if we would have put a bet on, yeah, we give Klaishal a pretty good chance of winning this one, then we could have said it's because whatever reason we're going to, we're going to ascribe to their military prowess or to their maybe strength and no strategy or whatever it's going to be and it would have ruined the nest. The way Hashem wants to destroy his enemies is always with the fact that no one would have imagined it would happen. And that just like, that just amplifies, that clarifies how much of a nest it is. I always like to tell the story I've heard this one before, forgive me for saying it again, but it just brings out this point so well. And that is, I had an opportunity once to meet a Belchava. who had been a uh, an American officer in the American Army. And he had learned at West Point, an officer's school, whatever they call it. And he had learned, basically, what he had trained in his military strategy. And the general who was giving all these cadets, all these officers, the class of military strategy, basically said he's going to go through all the encounters of the 20th century. And each one is going to like identify exactly what technique was used and what skills they had and what strategy they had and what led to success and what led to failure, whatever it is that we can learn from, basically, previous battles and previous decisions the generals made. So he went to the First World War and the Second World War and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and whatever other wars it was. And each time, he's highlighting 
the strategy which was used and what proved to be successful and what not. Okay, this particular officer in his training, he wasn't yet religious, but he was definitely Jewish. So at the end of the course, he went up to the general and said, Tell me, sir, maybe you'll explain to me why in the course of this whole series didn't you discuss any of the Israeli wars? Uh, there were a number of Israeli wars, the, the Independence War, the Six-Day War, Yom Kippur, whatever it's going to be. Why didn't you tell us about that? Well before Vietnam. Sorry? Well before Vietnam. Right, right. So this non-Jewish general turns around to him and he says, there's nothing to discuss in those wars because there's no strategy I can point to. It didn't make sense how the war went. So there's nothing to learn from it. And that Mamish, even the guy could pick it up, but it's Mamish's idea. Right? The way we won a war, there was no strategy you could point to. They said, ah, this was their winning strategy, or this was the great move that they thought of. There wasn't one. They couldn't, it didn't make sense how the war went, or how they were victorious, and that's exactly what the verse is saying. He's bringing the story from the outside, how people who weren't at the battle would have thought, and would have felt, because that proves to us that the, na- the nature of the nest. No one could have predicted such a thing. Like we said, and this is the last point, the only one who didn't feel like that was the M. Sisera. The mother of Sisra. She was the only one who was doubtful about it. She yeah, wasn't so convinced. Knows, like oh. no. oh. And that's why. Because uh, that's not working with logic. <coughs> Anybody on logic would have said, for sure Sisra's going to win. There's no question. Right? The, the quote of the mother uh, who feels differently is because the mother has a certain intuition. And if she feels something happened to her child, she'll know about it, even if it's the mother of Sisra. Right? And therefore, she wasn't going to verbalize it. And she was convincing herself, or trying to convince herself, that they must be right. Everyone's saying Sisra must be they're right. But Lemais is a certain intuition that a mother has that she feels when something's wrong. Even even wouldn't have been a logical thing to think, but nevertheless, there's a certain uh, awareness, intuition, whatever you're going to call it. What do you call this concept of awareness? Whether it's something in Chazal or something else? It's, uh, it's something it's Chazal talk about it, that there's a certain connection that maybe to the Nefesh that a person has, uh, the, the Nefesh has, that is aware of such a thing. And that brings us back to Tukir Shaifah, right? Why, why the Aim Sisra is the symbol of Tukir Shaifah. Because the same idea. And that is, like we said, just like the Yavava, the sound of crying, is Be'atim, uh, an uh, expression which doesn't have words. So, but, and that's what we learn from the Aim Sisra, but the second point also. And that is, that just like we said that by the mother of Sisra, the mother can intuit what happens, something's wrong with her son. Right, so that's you want to that analogy to Kirshafer also. And that is that the fact that we we trying to bring the Shafer to evoke that same feeling is kind of the Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you're a father. And if that's the case, you can also intuit what Kaiser are feeling. And Imagine has that same power, which is why we she was we have a hundred times we try to repeat that, because she had the same idea that uh, we want Hakadosh Baruch Hu to so to speak be able to pick up on what we're feeling even if we aren't doing a good enough job of expressing it. And at the same koyach, that uh, as a father, Hashem has an intuition to know what's, where his children are, how they're feeling. Which are those, those are the two things, the factors why we use this with Shafer. Both the fact that we aren't, exp- we, it's a cry without expression, but it's a cry to a father's heart who can, who can feel what his children are, where his children are, what they're feeling, even if they themselves aren't in the position to, to, to express a broken. So.